This week we're continuing our use of the First Testament to learn more about God's nature, including his love, his promises, and, and as we enter in this Advent season, his gift of Jesus Christ to the world. This morning we're t- talking about our response to God. It includes three little words that God longs to hear from you, and that is, here I am. Here I am. What's so special about these three little words? They signify your response to him when he calls your name. And he has called your name and he will call your name. Sometimes it's a whisper. And as we read this morning, sometimes it's very profound like like Moses experienced. But when God calls your name, he wants to hear you say, here I am, here I am. So this morning, I'd like to look at the responses of six people from the First Testament that stood up to be counted when called, some right away and some with some reluctance. And it's Moses and Abraham and Jacob and Isaiah, Samuel and Gideon, names I'm sure you're all familiar with. And you may hear these names and think, those are pretty prominent names, faithful people. Of course they said, here I am. But let's hear some of their stories. You may be a little surprised about how God used and how they responded. So Moses, the story of Moses is found in in Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus 3, um, uh, chapter 4. I'm sorry, verse 4. But I'm going to start at verse 1 for for a moment. And it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, from a fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you were standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now I often wonder why God said, take your sandals off. And and it, it could be a show of respect, and most likely it was. But I also wonder if there's a way to get closer connection. Like, God, I want to feel you. This is holy ground. Don't put anything between us. Right? I want physical contact with the holiness. But at verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, Moses responds with what? But? It says, But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I have who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain, okay? So I want to look at this exchange for a moment. God called Moses. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, here I am. And God gave Moses an instruction. And Moses responded, but who am I to receive this? Who am I to do this? And God responded, I am here. I'm with you. Let's look at Abram, who became Abraham. Genesis 22. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Here I am. 
And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice in there is burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Now, along the way, you can read that Isaac comments that he noticed there was plenty of wood, but nothing to sacrifice. I'd be getting nervous. But Abraham tells him that the Lord will provide. We jump back in at verse 9. It says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called up to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God. Remember, this is a fear or respect. God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a, in a thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed the burnt offering. So the Lord had provided. In fact, that became the name of the mountain. And when he built an altar there, the Lord provided. And he goes and says, the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time. He said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. These last few verses are a covenant that God made with Abraham. And next Sunday, as we consider the first theme of Advent, which is hope, we're gonna look at some of God's covenants like this and as a source of hope. Now, Jacob, we're going to include a little bit about Isaac. This is found in Genesis 27. It says, when Isaac was old enough, or was old and his eyes were so weak they could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. Guess what his son said? Here I am. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now his wife Rebecca was there and she was listening and she decided she was gonna help out Jacob. So while Isaac was gone, Rebecca prepared this tasty meal. And, you know, even though he was blind, they didn't, the two brothers didn't look alike. So he did some, she did some things to really kind of hide who he was so that, that Jacob could trick Isaac. She says, so he went, on verse 18, he says, he went to his father and he said, my father. And he says, yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. And now Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Interesting. Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him, and the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied, which was a lie. Isaiah. 
Isaiah 6, 8. I love the stories from Isaiah, uh, especially the ones that, that force, uh, foreshadow the, the birth of Jesus. And we read a lot of these, and, and we, we read them at Christmas time and, and at Easter in conjunction with the stories from Luke. And we forget that this, some of this is an Old Testament or First Testament prophet. But in Isaiah 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high, exalted, sitting on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He's describing this vision. He says, Above him are seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, and, and two that covered their feet, and with two that were flying. And they were calling to one another. Okay, so these things are flying around. They say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and and temple was filled with smoke. And Isaac cried, woe to me, or Isaiah cried, says, woe to me, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. Right, he's like, I see this wonderful glory and here I am a sinner. Verse six says, then one of the same flew to me. And with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This is where it gets good. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. So Samuel was lying in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. It says, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel said, here I am. And as he ran, and he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Right? Heard this voice. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So I went to lay back down. And again, the Lord called him Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. So keep this in mind. Verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. If I was Eli, I'd be pretty mad. I know that you'd probably have, you would probably, about the first time I did that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak up, Lord. For your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Now, now he's got his attention. Last person, Gideon. We don't always talk about Gideon. If I say Gideon, what do you think of the little Bibles and the, yeah, that's right. But but Gideon's an interesting character. I'm not going to read the whole story, but his story is founded in Judges 6 through 8, and it's a good tale. But let me give you some background first. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, there's a history of, or actually more of a cycle. The Israelites, they, they're good, they're, they're saved, and they go and start getting off track. And then they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord says, help me, help me. And he lifts up a leader, whether it's Moses or someone else. They lift someone up, and they get back on track, and they have this cycle. And we're going to talk about that next week with the covenants because it's very important because we look at these bad times that they went through. And did God break his promise to allow these bad things to happen? We're going to answer that next week. Tune in. Um, but anyway, let me give you some background. The Israelites were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
And because the power of the Midians was so oppressive, the Israelites, they hid in caves and such. They, their crops were pillaged and their animals were taken or killed by the Midians. And verse 6 tells us, Midians so impoverished Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Here's that cycle. And God responded. So let's start with verse 12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Oh, that sounds... And Gideon was not a super big guy, but here's something saying, you're a mighty warrior. What Gideon says? He says, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? It's a fair question. Why are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when we pray said, do not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us in the hand of Midian. The Lord turned him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Right, he's trying to lift up this, uh, this rescuer. Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So here we go, Lord, here I am. And he says, but, but who am I to do this? And the Lord says, I'll go with you. The Lord says, here I am. Verse 17, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you take talking to me. Please not go away until I come back and bring my offering you set before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I am here. So he offers multiple sacrifices. And, and what's interesting is the people wanted to kill Gideon because they were worshiping Baal, another god. In fact, um, you know, they see these altars and Gideon's kind of sneaking around at night and, and offering these, these altars to God. But I want to jump to verse 36 for this morning's message because here's, here's where it comes into play. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, because remember, he's like, pardon me, Lord, are you sure you got the right guy? Now he's, now he's going to go ahead just to make sure that God really has the right guy. He says, if you will save Israel by my hand as you promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand. So he's going to lay this sheepskin and it's going to be wet in the morning and everything else is going to be dry. Then I know you're God, you're talking to me and this is what you want me to do. And of course, that's what happens. And the next day did the same thing. He says, don't be angry with me. Let me just make sure one more request. This is verse 39. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so, and only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew, right? God was being very patient with him. But how many times do we say, God, do you really want me to do this? Give me a sign. Aren't we really big about giving me a sign? Giving me a sign. But when God calls on you, and he likely already has, and he, and he will again, how will you respond? Look at some of these characters. We respond by Moses, you know, surprised because he considered himself an ordinary person. You know, who am I? that you would send me. God uses ordinary people every day. Gideon, the least of his people, the, the, the least we think, we think of small, least, least strong. David took on that Goliath, right? When the whole army trembled. God uses ordinary people. That's what makes the stuff miraculous and impressive and, and powerful. Are you more like Abraham? You're willing to sacrifice you things are the most important. God, if you say, I'll do that without this and follow you, are you like that? 
That's a tough one. And I don't think it's by, by coincidence that he, said, he kept saying, if you sacrifice the son, the son you love, your only son. He kept saying that. The sacrifice your son, your only son, the son you love. Did God not send his son, his only son, the son he loved, to sacrifice? We remember the story of the man who came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And, and he'd done all the things that, you know, he checked all the boxes. But he said, you know, give away all your stuff and come with me. And he had so much to lose. And so the Bible said he was sad because he had so much. You know, if you're like Abraham, you're holding on to stuff. Are you willing to sacrifice? Doesn't mean that God's going to take it from you. You're just saying, God, I give it to you. A lot of times when we do that with our offering, God, I... I could use this money, right? I could use this time to do other things, rest or, or do another project, but you're putting on my heart to do something, to volunteer, to serve. Lord, that's my sacrifice. Or you like Jacob. You kind of pick and choose what thing you want to respond to, right? It's like, oh, my brother's getting the blessing. I want to get in on that. You know, oh, there's an exciting new ministry. I want to get in on that. There is a specific calling and purpose for you and everybody has one. And sometimes it is a struggle and sometimes it takes patience to wait for that thing. But there's ways to figure out, to ask yourself, what am I good at? What has God gifted me with? How can he use me? And that's when you say, here I am. You know, there's a quote and I believe it's John Maxwell, but I've heard it said by others. It says, say no to the rest and yes to the best, right? There's so many things that we can do but there are some things that only we can do we're very special at. Say yes to the best and no to the rest. Maybe you're like Isaiah. Isaiah is the, the great example, right? He faithful responded, here I am, send me. What do you need? Here I am, I'm unclean, I'm unworthy. Oh, you'll fix that? You fixed that. You sent a son to the cross. Now use me. Maybe you're like Samuel, and I pray that we're not. But Samuel didn't recognize the voice of God because he stopped listening for it. Or worse, he, uh, he didn't know that. He, d- he had never heard it. Or maybe he didn't even believe that God speaks. Do you believe that? Maybe we don't see burning bushes. Maybe we can. It's within God's power, absolutely. But I think more often God whispers our names now. Right? The gentle nudges, the, the, the feelings, the, the, the impulses that, that he uses. I mean, he could very be quietly saying, Tyler, Tyler. And I say, here I am. But I don't want to be like Samuel where I run around going, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Who's calling me? What am I supposed to be doing? When God says, I'm right here. All I have to do is say, here I am. Or Gideon. Now, Gideon believed that he's faithful, but he's skeptical and he wanted to negotiate a little bit, right? I am here. I come to church every Sunday. You know, I put some money in the plate. I sing the songs. I do the things I need to do. But Gideon would say, but if you really want me to be a missionary, if you really want me to give more, if you really, test it, you know, let me win the lottery or something like that. Don't we do that? Or <laughs> it's a stretch, but, it, it, but, you know, isn't there sometimes we say that, you know, or, or I really want this job. And if, if you get it from me, I promise I will stop swearing. You know, do we negotiate like that? Are we a Gideon? The truth is that God uses and blesses every one of these people when they responded by saying, here I am. Every one of these people were used. And every one of them was blessed, even the reluctant people. And God has a history throughout the Bible and throughout all times of using ordinary people and using people that don't even believe in him. I don't believe in God. Interesting. Because I experienced what you said and what you did, and it made an impression in my life as a Christian. I'm not going to tell you that, but God's using you. 
But I also have to ask, will you show this kind of love and commitment to God? Will you commit to him when he says, hey, Moses, Moses, will you say, here I am? When he calls your name, will you be that, that committed to him? And will you show this kind of love and commitment to those around you? This is, after all, a commandment that, that we were given. I'm going to jump to the New Testament now. Matthew 22, 27, or 37 through 40. Jesus replied to the, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay, we know that. And the second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. And he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, remember the law and the prophets were the first testament. We've been talking about the first testament for weeks. The law is the first five books and the prophets. We read Isaiah this, this morning as well and Micah and there's Jeremiah and others. So we're saying all this stuff that you've been studying, all the stuff that has been passed down to you in scripture hangs on these things. Love God and love others and don't forget to love yourself. So if you love others, there are times that you need to say to them, hey, I'm here, here I am. You know, you might say I'm here because it's a tough time. I'm here to celebrate with you. I'm here for whatever it is you need. I'm here because I care. And I'm here because of the commitment I've made to you. Sometimes you don't need to say a thing. You simply need to be there so they know that if they turn to you and say, friend, you're there. Here I am. Let's close and make that our prayer. Father God, I have no doubt that you have called every one of our names. Lord, I have no doubt that you will continue to speak to us. So Lord, let us not miss the opportunity. Let us not miss, uh, you know, misunderstand that it is you who's speaking. And Lord, let us not be so hung up on whether this is the, the, the blessing we want or, or whatever that we, we lose sight of the important thing. When we say, here I am, even if we're concerned about what it is you're calling us to do, you say, I'm there with you. He says, you say, here I am too. Lord, there's not a single thing that can't be accomplished through you. So Lord, we ask you to use us. This week, we wanna challenge ourselves to listen more intently, to not miss an opportunity to say, here I am to you, to our spouse, to a friend, to a stranger that may need something, here I am. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to worship this morning. Lord, I thank you for this country we live in. As much divisiveness as there is, there, there are things that unite us, and that is we have one God, one God who loves and cares. So Lord, we ask for your guidance in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the miraculous gift of your son as we prepare for this Advent season. We want to prepare our hearts for this wonderful gift, the gift that gives us hope, joy, peace. God, we thank you for that. In him we have hope and in him we pray. Amen.